It takes more than a haiku in your git commit message to be a great engineer. This is episode 225 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. I'm your host, Dave Smith. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice show where we answer all of your non-technical questions about the technical field of software development. We also accept haikus. Are we still sending out stickers? Yeah, you know, we haven't mentioned it in a while, but yeah, sure. Yeah, send us a haiku. I think probably DM it to us on Twitter at SoftSkillsENG and we will send you a sticker. A haiku related to software development. We are configured to send stickers anywhere in the world. Really? That is a challenge. Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm looking at you, Arctic research scientists. (laughs) It's summer. They're probably outside storing up happiness. (laughs) The long, cold, dark winter. Exactly. (laughs) Do you want to thank our Patreons, Dave? Our patrons. Yes, I do. This week, we'd like to say thank you to those that are contributing at the level that gets them a weekly shout-out. They are Oladapo Fadiyi, Kajarin Svainson, Ragnar Hardison, Oleksandr, Microconfig.io, Nick, Travis Sanders, Evgeny Slodkowski, Dennis Bogdanov, Braden Keynes, Philip John Basile, Stephen Armand Lee, John Grant, Luke Bayless, Ryan The Real McCoy, Vinlock, Stanley Tactical Radio, Agile Ventures Charity, Nick Cantar, and Sean. If you'd like to support the show financially, you can go to softskills.audio and click support us on Patreon. And if you do, we will send you an invitation to our Slack community where you can participate in the goodness that is chatting with all of the other Soft Skills Engineering listeners. I think Soft Skillets was the collective noun that yes. <laughs> they arrived at. I want to thank Vettery. Vettery is sponsoring this show. They are an online marketplace where you can find your next great developer job. You can go to vettery.com slash soft skills, and you'll hear more about them later. Do you want to read our first question, Dave? Yeah. I was about to ask, what do we do now? <laughs> okay. Same thing we do every week. <laughs> Try to read the question. <laughs> yes. Okay, this comes from an anonymous listener who says, I have noticed the majority of the managers get stuck at a mid-management level and never move to C level. And there are a few who experience astronomical growth. For example, I know a C-suite executive who has moved to his current role from a web developer role within nine years and changed jobs only thrice. (laughs) One more C-suite person I know has gone to that position within eight years in the same company. Unfortunately, I don't have the rapport to ask either of these folks what I'm going to ask you, so here it goes. (laughs) What makes some managers move very quickly up the management ladder, whereas the majority of them remain stuck in mid-management? Also, at the mid-management level, how detrimental is job hopping to quick growth? Looking at my small sample size of two, both have not hopped around much. I'm glad we have the rapport where you can ask us this question. Yeah, (laughs) although we're both in the C-suite of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's pretty top-heavy. Actually, Jameson used to be an archduke. That's true. I was the archduke of computering for quite a while. Uh-huh. So you've come to the right place, is what we're saying. <laughs> the C stands for cool, right? <laughs> I'm the cool executive officer. <laughs> yeah, so these are two separate questions. Why do some move up quickly while most remain stuck in mid-management? Why do you think, Dave? Well... I can only imagine that there's a ritual that they failed to pass where they have to walk on hot coals, collect a feather from an eagle's nest, and I can't remember. (laughs) Sorry, I'm making this up on the fly. (laughs) (laughs) Slay the mightiest beast in the land. It's a quest, you're saying. 
Yeah, only very few people could do those three things. Yeah, I guess middle management is your punishment for not <laughs> slaying the beast or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It also depends a lot on the size of the company. There's a very different skill set and path for being a CEO at a mega gigantic company versus at a small business. True. They've got the same title. That's true. That's true. Also, we, we probably need to, to define some stuff here. I think one of the things that's funny about this terminology is the word C-level, homonym, it could be either the letter C or the water, the body of water C, spelled S-E-A. Ah. And it's pretty funny because C-level also <laughs> also has, is a homonym. Is that the right word? Am I saying the right word? Homonym? homonym? That's the thing where it sounds like another word, right? Yes. Same sound, different meaning. So you could be like the dude who rides rad jet skis all day and be a C-level executive. Right. On the ocean. Yes. Okay. I wasn't even thinking about that. Yeah. yeah do you want to define the terms here? Sure. So, I mean, C-suite is the letter C and typically refers to people whose title is a three-letter acronym that starts with a C. <laughs> CEO, CTO, COO, CSO which I've often heard said CISO, which I think is pretty funny. That's chief security officer. CIO, CPO, so many C something O's. Oh, is CPO chief product officer? Yeah. I've also heard CRO, chief revenue officer, aka head of sales. (laughs) Huh, I haven't heard that. Yeah. CMO, that's another marketing sometimes. Chief marketing officer. Anyways, before we (laughs) pivot to a fascinating episode of just listing all the different possible (laughs) C-level roles there are, what about middle management? What about it? <laughs> what, do you have a definition for it? Oh, uh, so yeah. Okay, so middle management. I think that means you manage managers, but there are managers who manage you. Yeah, yeah, that's how I define it too. It's like you're not the head node or the tail node in a linked list. No, wait, two levels up from the bottom of a tree from the leaf nodes, but you're also at least one level away from the root. Or yeah. two levels away from the root. It's crystal clear now. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. there's only one root node of the tree. Like <laughs> we, we were talking about this before the show uh, and, and some of it is just math, right? Like there mm-hmm. are fewer CEO roles than manager roles because there are, I mean, that's just how it works unless you have some weird like hippie destroy the system. Everybody's a chief. Yeah. Of your own work executive officer thing. But yeah, so some of it is just there's, I don't know, you can't have as many CEOs as mid-level managers. By a long shot. I mean, the numbers are off the charts different, right? I mean, you think about a tree, a binary trees, or no, sorry, that's that's the thing. It's not even a binary tree. These This is a tree where every node has like 10 children. And so when you move down the level in the tree, you multiply the number of nodes by 10. So just going three levels down, you're like a thousand times more people than the level you came from. And so that means that if there's a thousand people vying to occupy that position in the grandparent node spot or great-grandparent node spot, then your odds are one in a thousand. Yeah, then it turns the quest you're talking about from do this quest to how fast can you do this quest? Because probably a lot of them will be able to do it. Right. There will be several dozen people with the skills to grab a feather, climb a mountain. Was that the other one? I don't Slay remember. a beast. 
<laughs> yeah. I get I know I Cook think the question the question is how fast can you slay all of your quest mates? Yeah, there's a reason it can get a little political and competitive and cutthroat if you're trying to climb the ladder because there are there are probably some people at your level who don't care, but there are probably enough who also care that you're gonna all realize you're vying for a limited resource. Yeah. So the numbers are against you. There's this blog post I like. The title of the blog post is Career Narratives, but in the post they talk about this, I don't know what to call it, principle? The, uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. The, the climbing the ladder is hard thing. And they say that if you're still interested in growing, like you can't directly control or guarantee that you will get promoted to a higher level, but you can just try to be more effective and kind of gather responsibility and spread your influence wider. And that's a more productive thing to focus on sometimes because it's more directly in your control than kind of placing all your hopes towards beating out the other 999 people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, if you do fail, which you will statistically, uh, then at least you have a nice good job where you don't feel yeah. terrible all the time. So is that maybe a principle? So, okay, here's something I've observed just in terms of career development in general. I highly doubt that it applies to sea level growth. But in my experience, if you focus solely on career growth, especially if you're just trying to check the boxes to move to the next level at your company, as defined by your company's HR department, it becomes more elusive. But when you focus instead on doing a good job, being effective, you know, growing your influence, leading, then suddenly the promotion comes. Uh, whereas if you're obsessed with just getting to that next level, it doesn't. And I wonder if this advice falls on its face when it comes to C-level stuff, because the people I know who worked up to that level are extremely ambitious and clearly focused <laughs> on that. Yeah. It's kind of like you're saying, don't be a tryhard. <laughs> That is a phrase that I learned from my 14-year-old son last year okay. during football season. Was it him telling you he w- you were a tryhard? No, it was <laughs> No. <laughs> it was him telling me that the kids on the opposing team that they were playing in football were a bunch of tryhards and that's why okay. they beat them. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if you like put on pads and were out there laying waste to a bunch of <laughs> a bunch of ninth graders or something. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Come on, Dad. You don't have to pick them up and body slam them. <laughs> yeah, try hard. They also called them sweats. sweats. You heard that one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Bunch of sweats. Like, huh. I've never heard that one. I think it means the same thing. Try hard has this kind of dorky connotation too, though. Like maybe you have an excessive amount of wristbands and sweat, I don't know, sweatbands on and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Like you're trying to look the part. Yeah. Like kind of like fawning and yeah okay so don't be a try hard okay. unless you want to be a c-level executive right and even then the numbers are against you yeah i just want to say that the the real answer to this question is a basic arithmetic answer you know why do so many people get stuck in mid-management because there's just not that many c-level spots compared to them so that's the answer but i, I don't think that's the useful answer they're looking for in this question the, the real question is what differentiates those that occupy those spots versus those that remain in middle management, right? Yeah. I don't know. Do you? <laughs> I have no idea. That's the thing. Like, I have no idea. I have no experience with this. But, and again, my sample size is also very limited, but I have a few sneaking suspicions about it. And one of the things mentioned here is, does job hopping hurt that growth? And and I think it does. In a large company, one of the features of all the executives that I know is that they have a long continuous tenure 
in my company. Yeah. You know, like same minimum five years, more likely 10 to 15. And it's like all their eggs are in that basket. However, another thing I've noticed is that once they achieve that executive level, boy, the world becomes their oyster and they just hop around like crazy. I mean, you look at the various CEOs of companies, they are moving around so often. Like they may have stayed at one company for 15 years to get to that level. But once they get there, it's like they're gone every three years. Yeah. Have you noticed that? I think so. Yeah. It does seem like if you're trying to go from mid-level to senior engineer, it's definitely possible for you to go get a different job and you're a senior mm-hmm. engineer there. Yeah. <laughs> but it does seem pretty hard for you to go from being like a, I don't know, director or senior manager or something. And then you go get a different job and you're like the CTO. That that does seem less likely. Unless it's a startup. <laughs> yeah. All the rules are off on startup. I mean, you yeah, can, true. if you want to be a CEO, just go start a business. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm thinking through the executives. Most of them at my current company have very long tenures. The one who has the shortest tenure was an executive at a different company. Ah, uh, yep. Theory proven. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. So job hopping doesn't work if you're trying to climb the ladder. Yeah, probably not. That makes sense because, I mean, the levers you have to pull as a mid-level or higher manager are much larger and take much longer to show results. Yes. Like, you can't just go in and crush it for a year and like launch this cool project and then and then right. leave and and see the impact of that. Yeah. I watched a really interesting interview with a SpaceX engineer who works closely under Elon Musk. And I promise this story is going to make sense. But the interviewer asked the engineer, how does Elon Musk make decisions? And the engineer said, in the context of SpaceX, Elon always asks one question anytime he's faced with a decision. And the question is, Will this move us the date for having a manned colony on Mars closer or further away? And he says every important decision that he makes for SpaceX is based on the answer to that question. And this makes me think that that kind of laser focus is probably what it takes to get into the executive level in a a large company or medium-sized company. And I think it probably takes a focused intensity based on the people that I've watched climb that ladder, an intensity which I think most people just can't afford to have. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, yeah. and honestly, also a clarity that most people just don't can't find either because the, the question now becomes, will this move me closer to being a VP or C-level executive at this company or not for every action of every day? And I think for most people, the answer to that question is just super foggy and unclear for most decisions you make. But I think those that managed to rise to that level have had a string of successful answers to that question and were able to just focus most of their intensity in answering that question. Honestly, in most cases, it's because they actually have really impactful stuff to do in their day-to-day job. Yeah. Like I haven't seen in my company, there is a surprisingly high percentage of high-functioning leaders, you know? (laughs) Like no no one got there by being the cousin of the you know, the CEO or something. No one schmoozed their way to the top. No, no, definitely not. Like it's it's surprisingly good. But anyway, long story short, as I've watched them rise, they seem to just be laser focused on that. And also they have this opportunity alignment where the things that they can afford to work on day to day also support that trajectory. Well, have we answered the question? Almost. I do have one more crazy hypothesis. Okay. This is completely unverified, but I'm using my own life as the basis for this. This is not based on observing others. But As I have aged, I have found it 
harder and harder to maintain the levels of intensity that I had when I was younger. But when I interact with people who are executives in my company, they have what looks to me like the same level of intensity that I had when I was 24 and just absolutely laser focused and on fire intense with my job. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people just cannot maintain that level of intensity for the number of years that it takes to get into that kind of position. Hmm. So it is kind of like a quest. Yeah. <laughs> and <Hey>. you lost. <laughs> <laughs> I dropped out. That makes sense to me. The The limited interaction I've had with folks at that level has been pretty wild, I'll say. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, I mean, yeah, lots lots of energy and intensity yes. that most people I interact with about their job do not have. Right, right. Maybe it comes with the territory. I don't know. Maybe you get Maybe. special CEO shots or something. Right. <laughs> Maybe. And and I think Jameson and I have both had very limited experience because everyone's had limited experience with this because there's only so many executive people that any individual interacts with in their day-to-day. But this is definitely discounting all the people who nepotismed their way into executive positions, yeah. which is a completely viable alternative track. Yeah, I'm thinking through all the CEOs at companies I've worked with of wildly differing sizes from dozens of people to millions of people. And I think all but one of them, I felt like they were, I don't know if I agreed with everything they did, but they seemed pretty competent and they seemed very, very intense Yeah, in a way that nobody else <laughs> seemed. <laughs> Maybe that's the secret. Just It's like the trope of the CEO, you know, just this high intensity. In Hollywood, they're always doing drugs. <laughs> yeah, several of them were tall white guys with really good hair yeah i don't know that doesn't hurt so they're (laughs) they can't hurt (laughs) (laughs) all right so there you go the proven recipe for success at the sea level yep we can only get you there but we can't help you once you're there sorry (laughs) the double c level (laughs) if you've been a software developer at the same job for a few years it might be time to start looking around quit your job is our favorite advice but first you should probably find a new job trust me it is better this way Check out a service called Vettery, which matches developers with employers based on what you want, like your location, salary requirements, and technologies you want to work with. I actually signed up myself, and within a week, they sent me an opportunity that looked really good. My current approach to job seeking is tweet dumb stuff and hope the company notices me. So this sounds like an improvement, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Once you sign up, you get a consultant to help you find opportunities. I also like that Vettery lets you specify your salary requirements early rather than going through the whole interview process only to find out, wah, wah, your salary expectations were way off. That actually happened to me in an interview. Would have been nice to avoid that. You can start using Vettery without reversing a linked list on a whiteboard too. They don't have a coding test to sign up. If you are thinking about taking our advice, the soft skills engineering patented advice and quitting your job, check out Vettery. Go to vettery.com slash soft skills to sign up. That's V-E-T-T-E-R-Y.com slash soft skills. If you use that link, you will help support the show. And if you get a job through Vettery, they will send you $300. Thank you so much to Vettery for sponsoring the show. All right, should I read our next question? Go for it. This is from a listener named Andre. Hi, love the show. I have a history of working as a voice engineer, but since I got my last job, I have migrated towards more sysadmin DevOps type stuff. This was on purpose as I absolutely hate the voice stuff. The problem is that I still have a bunch of people coming up and asking me to help them with voice-related issues or projects. I have tried to very subtly express that I am not interested, but it doesn't seem to work. I am probably also guilty because I am a yes man and want to be the nice guy, so I don't say no to these requests. So the question is, how do I get away from my past and stop people from coming up to me 
with questions about a domain that I dread slash hate. Ooh. So we had to look up what a voice engineer was. I, I assumed it was some kind of like recording studio thing. Yeah. But it's not. It's someone who works with like telephony systems, VoIP stuff, kind of like maintenance and configuration of that stuff. Okay, now I just have to poke a little bit of fun at how you pronounced telephony. Is it telephony? I think so. <laughs> All right. Well, I accept my role as the person who says words wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. I love it when people mispronounce words because they've only read them. All my kids yeah. are like that, and it's just my favorite thing. But I still have to poke fun at you a little. I'll take it. I can take it. I always struggled with that one because I saw it written for years, and I was like, "How you can't possibly say telephony. Telephony? Is that how you say it? I think so. Okay. Telephony. Someone will write in and correct us, I'm sure. Okay. Anyways, you hate this, but people are still coming up to you for it. I assume that this is in the same like company because it would be yeah. weird if <laughs> you you switched jobs and someone was like, I heard through the grapevine that you know how I can set rock me like a hurricane to my telephone ring sound. <laughs> oh, man. Although that would be cool. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's how you get out of it. Every time someone asks you to do a thing, you change their ringtone to a fart noise. <laughs> or like maybe apply some vocal filter. I don't know. Somehow sabotage them and make them sound bad. So you do what they ask you to do, but you also walk away with a side effect that they'll hate. Yeah. Upgrade the operating system of, I don't know, whatever VoIP servers you have or something. But also now the COO's voicemail is just like i'm the ceo and i love poop 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 <laughs> perfect got him <laughs> and when they ask you to fix it you're like oh man that i've never seen that before no idea weird change it now the ring thing changes you replace their phone with like a ladybug phone <laughs> every time they call you back it just gets worse more and more yeah. problems they'll stop they'll stop <laughs> calling you well the bad advice is out of the way got it we're done. <laughs> what should they do? I mean, this is a testament to your effectiveness in this role. You, apparently, you were a pretty good voice engineer because if you weren't, they wouldn't keep coming back to you. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've actually seen this happen where someone is the go-to person for a particular task or, or set of things. They get moved off to something else. But everybody still knows if you want something done on this thing, you got to go talk to yep. former voice engineer Andre. That's right. So, I mean, Jameson, you have a problem with saying no to people. I know this about you. Yes. Are there any tips or tricks you have accumulated for getting out of saying yes? Yeah, actually. I have a post-it note stuck to my monitor right now that says, don't say yes. <laughs> that <laughs> oh sometimes helps. That's the other so thing funny. that helps me a lot is the easiest time for me to say yes is like right after someone asks me. Okay. If I give myself some time to think and kind of like figure out all the other stuff I have to do and weigh and compare and stuff, it's much easier for me to say no later. So if I can just change it from yes to let me get back to you, then that makes it easier for me to be more deliberate about it instead of focused on like, is this person going to, I don't know, I don't even know what they would do. Is this person going to steal my lunch money if I say no? Right. <laughs> so you have to debounce the requests. Exactly. Well, yeah, I don't know. I have to slow them down. I got to do a set timeout. Do you wait for them to ask a second time? No. That's my prioritization strategy. Okay. So not a debounce. You you just come back to them later with a no. And it's easier to say no a few minutes later or days later. I add a sleep one day to the request. Then decide. Yeah. That's been the most helpful thing for me. That's cool. I tried having a, a coworker just yell at me not to say yes. 
every time <laughs> someone asks me a thing. You know how, okay, you know how in ancient Rome, clearly everyone knows this. Um, <laughs> yeah, go on. I mean, I, I'm sure I already know the answer, but go on. Yeah, obviously you know. So when people had these grand feats or accomplishments, they would throw a, what was it a triumph for them? This like amazing parade. And okay. they would have one person whose job it was to sit next to them and whisper like, you're still mortal so that the giant parade wouldn't go to their head. Oh. I kind of had that, but it was a person saying, look at our roadmap in every meeting right. <laughs> with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It was helpful, but temporary. I have found that one technique that works for me to say no is rather than just saying no, redirect them to someone else and say, I think so-and-so could help you with that better than I could. Mm. And that way it doesn't Judo. feel like you're rejecting them. You're helping them along in their journey, but you're not doing the work for them. Yeah, but you still get credit for the work because it wouldn't have happened if you hadn't redirected them. So basically you did it. You write that down in your annual performance review about how you helped all these people. Yep. Perfect. Yeah, I like that too. So the thing that ended up working with the person I've seen who struggled with this the most was their manager just explicitly asked everybody like, hey, do not bug this person about old thing they used to work on. Oh, that's cool. And that helped because without fail, if you went to them, they would say yes and be spectacularly helpful, but they just needed to have somebody kind of remind people what their current responsibilities were. That's way cool. I wonder if, if something is broken about how voice engineering works, like maybe maybe the people who replaced you are not very good or still learning or something like yeah. that. So this is a sign of some kind of failure in that org. But how are they going to get better if you keep covering for them? Yeah. Yeah, you just got to do your part and let them learn and grow. That's right. Let everyone's phones not work while that happens. That's right. And that means short-term discomfort, short-term pain, but long-term awesomeness for everyone. Another thing you could try is if, if these are sort of like unofficial kind of back-channel requests, presumably you have other work to do <laughs> that isn't this in your new role. Mm -hmm. And... You have enough normal work to do already. You could kind of point to the responsibilities you have and say, I, I can't because I have to do important thing X, you know? Yeah. That's easier than saying like, no. And then the implication is because I hate you. Right. <laughs> if you, you say, I don't have time to do that because of this thing. Right. And every reasonable person would agree that that thing is more important than the problem that is confronting them right now. Exactly. That'll go great. <laughs> Try, it's not my job. That goes over real well. <laughs> yeah. Well, have we helped them? I think so. I think a good first step is acknowledging that you are doing this, even though you hate it. And isn't it weird that we do things we hate because there's other things we hate even more, such as being perceived as unhelpful <laughs> in this case. But I think you've correctly identified the problem, and that will go a long way. I feel like we actually gave some pretty good advice here, which is unusual. We did it. We achieved the dream of the show. Give good advice. <laughs> this will be our last episode. Well, with that, we better end it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, before we mess things up more, we got to end okay. this episode. Where can people go if they want to find out more about the show or ask their own question? People can go to softskills.audio. They can click ask a question on there and submit a question. You can follow us on Twitter at softskillseng. You can climb the tallest mountain and find the eagle feather yes. on your way to the C-suite as well. Yes. All right. We'll catch you next week. 